pressure, hey? <laughs> Brilliant. So welcome all, if you have not been before. Um, we're going to talk today about someone in the Bible that doesn't have a very big section. There's not terribly much in the Bible about him. And it's not someone I've really studied before or, or, or know much about. And it's a man called Amos, who's one of the minor prophets, as it's called, as in not as important as all the other prophets that went before him, which is such a funny thing to say. Um, so he's in the Old Testament, and there's a book of the Bible called Amos, which is about Amos, and particularly about the messages that God was giving Amos. Um, but the question I had when I first started looking at that was, who actually was Amos? Where did he live? What's his story? What's, what am I reading in a context of his life? Um, so we've got a quick YouTube clip that I'll stop halfway through that tells us more about Amos. It's a bit more interesting than me just reading it. The book of the prophet Amos. Amos was a shepherd and a fig tree farmer who lived right near the border between northern Israel and southern Judah. Now the north had seized its independence about 150 years earlier, remember 1 Kings chapter 12, and it was currently being ruled by Jeroboam II, a successful military leader. He won lots of battles and new territory for Israel, and he generated lots of wealth. But in the eyes of the prophets, he was one of the worst kings ever. His wealth had led to apathy, and he allowed idol worship for the gods of Canaan, which in turn led to injustice and the neglect of the poor. And it got to the point where Amos couldn't take it anymore. He sensed God calling him to go trek up north to Bethel, an important city that had a large temple, and start announcing God's word to the people. And this book is a collection of his sermons and poems and visions uttered over the years. They were compiled later to give God's people a sense of his divine message to the northern kingdom, and it's a message we still need to hear today. The book has a fairly clear design. Chapters 1 and 2 are a series of messages to the nations and Israel. Then chapters 3 to 6 are a collection of poems that express Amos' message to the people of Israel and its leaders. Chapters 7 through 9 contain a series of visions that Amos experienced that depict God's coming judgment on Israel. Thanks, Let's just dive in. So the book opens with a series of short poems that accuse all of Israel's neighbors. Thank you. Um, so that gives us a quick summary about who Amos was. Um, it's quite Americanized, sorry for the uh, American accent, but it was the best I could uh, find that described what we want to know about, uh, about Amos. So the first thing that I took from that is the very beginning bit. Amos was a shepherd and a fig tree farmer. All right, there's a message on there about who was the king. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a prince. He wasn't a leader. Before God called him, he was a shepherd and a fig tree farmer. He wasn't a man of great importance in society. He just had a job that he got on with. And for us today, I think that's a really important message. And it links to what Marina said. Doesn't matter where you're from, what your background is, you are as welcoming God's kingdom as the next person. He calls all of us. He doesn't just call kings and princes and leaders and intelligent people and professors. He calls ordinary people to belong to him and to follow his ways. So today, it doesn't matter if you feel like you've got a job that's not that important, not that well paid. You never did very well in school. God calls all of us to belong to him. It doesn't matter if you're a shepherd or a fig tree farmer. Hey, we all need shepherds, don't we? How do we think the meat gets on the shelf? Who looks after the sheep? If you like figs, which I do, 
you know, you need people to farm the fig trees. So let's not think of anybody else as less important than ourselves. And let's encourage everyone to belong to God's kingdom in the way that God says that's true. You don't have to be a prince or a king. You can just be ordinary and God will call you. The other thing about Amos was that God chose him to be a prophet, which sounds like such a biblical word. And it's kind of the only time in our normal life you'll hear that word is in the Bible or in, in kind of spiritual terms. But prophet sounds like a, you know, a fortune teller turning up with tarot cards or uh, somebody mystical. Prophet just means messenger. It means God's messenger. So this is a person who received information and a message from God for people, for the kingdom, for the nations, and was a deliverer of that. Call him a Tesco driver if you like. He took a message and he delivered it to the people. Actually, going shopping in Scotland, there is, you say, I'm going shopping. That's what you say in England, isn't it? I'm going to go shopping. In Scotland, you say, I'm going for my messages, which is a word. Don't ask me the origins of that, but it made me think of it today. Um, <laughs> I'm going for messages means I'm going shopping. Um, so, it, it's similar, isn't it? No. I don't know the origin of that in Scottish, but anyway, um, prophet means messenger. And in order for him to be God's messenger, he had to recognize that it wasn't his own message. So we, we saw in, in the video there that he was a bit upset about what was happening up in Israel, but he didn't go because he was upset about it. He went because God called him to go to those people. It wasn't his own message or his own burning desires, although God might have put them in him as well. It was God's message he took. And people who are prophets don't bring their own messages. They bring God's message to people. It's not something for them to keep a hold of either. It's something to be given out to churches, to nations, to people. And you know, again, it sounds like it's such a big lofty thing. Oh, God's never going to choose me to be a prophet. Well, do you know, he might not. But he might choose you to serve tea and coffee. He might choose you to say hi to someone that's feeling really anxious and give them a kind word. He might call you to, to speak to someone at work and tell them about your faith. He might call you as a step of bravery and courage to step into service that you've never done before, to go help with the kids on a Sunday, to come on a Thursday, Wednesday to circle, uh, or to the, the, the other community groups during the week. You know, God doesn't always call us to be prophets. We need prophets, don't get me wrong. But actually, we have to do what God calls us to do. He wants you to be who you are, who he made you to be, and who he is making you to become. It doesn't matter what's gone before. You know, we start 2019 and there's that notion of, you know, what's gone before and what's coming up for us. And actually, that's the time where instead of looking ahead our diaries and our schedules, is to look to God and say, God, what are you going to do in my life in 2019? What is it that you've made me to be that I've not yet stepped into? Because if you're going to stay exactly where you are, that ain't where God's taking you. Don't stay where you are and get stuck and stagnant in your faith. Let's hear from God. Remember, Amos had to hear from God in order to deliver the message. Let's hear from God and be obedient and step out in what he's called us to do and to be. Then the third thing about Amos that came out in that little video clip was 
he didn't exactly go to Israel with a brilliant message. He wasn't going to say, God says, you guys are amazing. He was going to say, you're rubbish. You're sinful. You're not following God's ways. You're cheating. You're lying. You've got injustice. You're greedy. Whew, Amos. Don't fancy that journey much. Don't know about you, but when I set out from my home in Judah, heading up to Israel, I'm not particularly feeling enthusiastic about having to go deliver that message. But he knew that's what God called him to do. He knew that's what was a step for him. But you can see the difference there between their lives and what they'd chosen to do and how they'd chosen to live and Amos's life. And for me, there's a real obvious contrast. These guys had gone their own way. They'd stepped away from what God wanted them to do. And all of the things had started to unfold. So they'd become greedy. They'd started idol worship, which means instead of worshiping God, they'd built altars of bits of wood or bits of uh, stone. And they were worshiping that as if it was God. These people had gone the wrong way. Whereas you've got Amos, in contrast, a man of God hears from God, does what God says. That's what he does. God, you're telling me to go there, I'm going to go there. And we talk about bravery and courage at the beginning of the service today. And I really feel there's something about that for Horizon in 2019, about being brave and courageous, much more than you've ever been in your lives before, much more than I've ever been in my life. And I think that's true individually. God wants you to be brave and courageous, but corporately as a church. If we are going to impact this estate in the way that God has called us to, we are going to have to step it up, guys. We are going to have to. As soon as God says, this is what you need to do, we're just going, yep. I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to do it. It brings me back to a, a, a holiday in the summer. I went with my goddaughter, who's 13, and uh, she's brave, and she's a lot braver than me. Uh, but I quite like adventure. So we went on a boat trip, which is out in, it was Mallorca. And uh, we could do snorkeling and various other things. And cliff jumping. Cliff jumping? You've got to be joking. I can swim, I'm all right swimming, but I like to stay on the flat. Not particularly keen of heights. Definitely not very keen on climbing that rock face and jumping off it. But, you know, I don't like to be given in. She was dead enthusiastic, so there we are, climbing up this rock face getting nearer and nearer the top and looking down and thinking, oh, my days. And we got to the top and I thought, I should go first. I should just go first and not worry about it. I should just step to the front and go, yeah, I'm going to go. So I did that. I got to the front. I got to the edge and I did the worst thing you can do. I looked down. And not only was it 10 meters high, which is quite high for me, but because the water is so clear, it looked like 50 feet because you couldn't see, you could just see the bottom miles and miles down. And then I froze and I stood on the edge and she's going, come on, you can do it. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't embarrass her. All these other people watching, all these people waiting to do it. And I'm standing in there. I said, okay, just, just give me a minute. Just give me a minute. And then I looked down again. Oh. And then I had this moment where I thought, I am insane. I'm in the middle of somewhere in the sea in Mallorca on my own with her. There's no other friends or family with us. It's just us. And I'm going to jump off this cliff and break my legs. And goodness knows what will happen. And as soon as fear stepped in, 
I couldn't do it. And so in the end, I stepped back and I let other people go and they just kind of walked up and went, she went up and she just jumped straight in as well. But she's, you know, she's 13 and she doesn't have quite the same thought processes as I do. Um, And I got to the end and I was like, I'm going to really regret if I don't do this. So I got back to the, and I've got to climb all the way back down. So I got to the edge again. I said, no, I'm definitely, I don't like to be beaten. I'm going to do it. And I just thought, what am I doing? I just don't have the bravery for this. So one of the instructors quite rightly said, there is a lower shelf that you could go that's not so far. I said, ah, compromise. That'll do for me. So I scrambled back down and I jumped in from five meters and was still utterly terrified. Uh, But I didn't break my legs. Uh, And she was a little bit more satisfied that I'd at least done something. But that's the problem with being brave, isn't it? Is you get to the edge and I saw what I was about to face and the fear stepped in and all the scenarios that could have possibly happened started to go through my head. If I do this, what are the consequences going to be? And the consequence that didn't go through my head or didn't at least win in my head was the one where I'll jump off, it'll be brilliant, she'll think I'm amazing and I'll get back on the boat and go, yay, look at me. That wasn't the consequence that was first in my mind. And we're so often trapped by that fear, aren't we? When we're having to be brave or have courage for something. Um, but sometimes it's good to do it. I've gone off track now. That wasn't really what I was going to talk about. Um, there is a verse in Amos 3, actually, uh, that talks about the difference. If we go back to Amos and the people in Israel who were doing the opposite to what God was calling them to do, there's this contrast between them. And there's one verse in Amos 3 that talks about walking with God. And it says, do two walk together unless both agree to do so? So that's kind of indicating that in order to walk with God, we both have to agree that that's what we're going to do. Now, God wants us to walk with him. That's, that God wants us to follow his ways. Of course he does. But sometimes we don't because perhaps we're scared. Perhaps we haven't got the, the courage that we need. Perhaps other things have come in the way. But what I learned about this verse is the word for together, the walking together with God. I guess in my head, I thought you're kind of ambling through a park side by side. All right, God, have a little walk. We're walking together. He might be a little bit in front because probably most of my life he's always in front of me. Um, But it's quite chilled uh, and it's quite relaxed. But this word together in the Hebrew is yad, Y-A-A-D. Don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but yad. Uh, and it means to agree an appointment with, to agree to be with each other, and similar to choosing to be in step with one another. It's more about being in step and choosing to be together. And actually that question me, I, I thought, oh gosh, that's not quite what I thought about when I thought about just being together. Like it's almost a, a passive thing. Oh yeah, I'm together with God. And actually what this says is, are you choosing to be in step with God? Are you choosing to be in the same place as him? Are you choosing to keep that appointment with him side by side? Are you choosing to keep exactly in the steps that he's got for you? So we're going to do an activity now. You know me, I don't like to keep it just speaking from the front. So I've got two volunteers, Veronica and Ola. You come out the front. Rachel, can I borrow you? 
Right, ladies, I'd like you over here. It's very difficult. Um, so I'd like you to stand about here, facing to that door. About there. Lovely. And I'd like you to stand about here behind her, about there. That's fine. Directly behind her. And all I want you to do, we're talking about walking together. Just one minute, yeah, I'll need you. Um, I'd like you to take three steps forward together. And I want you to keep the same space between you as you currently have. You're not allowed to talk to each other and you're not allowed to touch each other. So I'm going to count down three, two, one. And I want you to take three steps towards the door without speaking or touching each other, but keeping the same distance. Three, two, one. Stop. What do we think, church? Is it the same? No. It's a bit closer, isn't it? How did that feel? Nervous. Nervous. How did it feel? Yeah, a little bit tense. Because yeah. Try to do like not, not talking nothing, but you, in your head you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to predict what she's going to do. I could kind of see you doing it slowly so that you could see what she was doing in order to get quite the right step. But the other thing I noticed was the length of your steps was different as well. If you could see them, one was taking a big step, one a small step. Um, so let's go back to start point. We're going to do this three or four times, and I'm going to make it easier and more difficult intermittently. So let's stay there. Uh, Rachel, I'd like you to come now. I'd like you to tie a leg, the right leg of each of them, and connect them. So we're going to do the same thing again, but this time I don't want you to talk again. All right, so we're doing three steps towards the door. Three, two, one, go. Good. Better distance? Yeah, a bit nearer. We did lose a bit of it, I think, in the... How was that? Was that easier? Yeah, a bit. Yeah? Easier? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So let's go back to start point. You're still connected, actually, so we don't need to do anything different. So a little bit further forward, Ola. Lovely. Um, so you're going to do the same thing. I'm going to give Veronica instructions. You're not to tell me or her what they are. Happy? Good. So three, two, one, go. What's happened? What's wrong? I couldn't pull her. You couldn't pull her? <laughs> wasn't she walking? She wasn't. You were walking? Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're going to reset. We're going to come back to these. We're going to reset. Lovely, nice and tight together. Okay, ladies, I'll give Veronica her instructions. Lovely. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> Thank you. Let's take it off. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.
So let's go through each of these. So the first one, they were not connected in any shape. They could see each other, but not speak. And it was okay, but it was quite difficult to predict what the other person was going to do. On the second one, they were connected and able to speak. And that looked like the easiest one, where actually they could kind of judge how far to step. Because of the connection with the scarf, they could work out how far the person was going. Um, and they could speak. Uh, the next one, the instruction I gave to Veronica was to stand still and stay in exactly the same place. So all I was trying to move, but Veronica just stood still. And if she'd been asked to do anything by Ola, I'd asked her also to just say yes to everything, but to still stay in the same place. And I don't know about you, but sometimes God is taking us on a walk and he's stepping out and we're nodding. Yes, God, but we ain't moving. We're agreeing. Oh, yes, God. I want to jump off that cliff. I really do. But my feet ain't moving. We're standing completely still, but just nodding. Yes, yeah, God, yeah, I really want you to do that. And he's trying to move and we're stuck. And we're not moving. But we're also not being terribly honest, are we? Because we're saying yes, but our actions are not saying yes. We're nodding yes. And we're saying, yeah, God, yeah, you're going to do great things. But I'm just going to stay right here. Because I'm a bit stuck or because I'm too scared. And it looks like a massive cliff. And I don't want to jump off it. And I've not got that bravery. I've not got that courage. But if God's asking you to take that step, it's because he knows you can do it. And he will enable you to do it. Uh, and then the last one, what was the instruction do you think I gave to Veronica? Turn around and walk the other way. Yeah. Doesn't work, does it? There's no way you can still walk the way that God's going if you're actually turning the opposite way. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing that. Sometimes God's given us an instruction. We know he's taking us in that direction but something distracts us. Go, ooh, something pretty over there. Something that's in the world. Something, oh, there's a new job. Oh, there's new friends. Oh, there's exciting party times over there. I'm going to go that way. But God's going that way. And that connection quite quickly dropped. The scarf between them just couldn't hold the pressure of them both going in the opposite direction. Now that's where, where there's a limited application actually with that example because God's connection to us will never fail. But sometimes our connection with him gets severed because we're so distracted by these exciting things over here. I don't want to go over that way. I'm going to go here. And actually God asks us, to do that thing of being together, which is to stay in step with him. And the easiest thing that we could have done to make that easy for both Ola and Veronica was to keep them connected, perhaps put their arms on each other's backs, not just tied by the legs, but the closer connection they've got together, to communicate with each other, right foot up, I'm going to step now on my right, three, two, one, go. So they're communicating in a way that means that they both know exactly what the other's doing, that they both step at the same time in the same direction and they both don't stay static. And that's where our relationship with God needs to be, that we're in step with him. You think about those ankles being tied together and you think, yeah, God, actually, when you lift your leg, I want to be in step with you. I want to lift it at the same time 
and take the same step so that we're together. It's about choosing and agreeing in step with God. So this word in Amos about being together is quite a lot more than we often think of that word together. It's not a passive word that just means I'm going to sit next to you, God. It's an active word. I'm going to be in step with you. If you step your left foot, I'm going to be so close to you and connected with you that I'm going to take that step, even if I'm scared. And even if there are distractions over there, if you're going that way, God, I'm going to go that way too. And I'm going to keep step with you and keep time with you. And I'm going to trust you that the length of my step and the level of the cliff that I need to face is all handled by you. The responsibility of the person at the front is huge, isn't it? So Ola had the responsibility to make sure it was safe, that she wasn't going to bang into anything. And God's got that covered. But sometimes we're the person at the back and we want to try and fix the stuff in front. But you don't know where you're going. You can't possibly. You don't know whether they're going to step around an obstacle. Whether actually the cliff that you're about to face isn't as high as you think it is. So let's take an example from Amos and be people that keep connected with God, keep in step with him and go where he's taking us, not being distracted by other things. And let's not stay still, people. When we look towards 2019, is your faith in the same place it was at the end of 2017 going into 2018? Let's not get stuck because God ain't staying still. He's, move, he's moving in our lives. He's moving in our estate. He's moving in our country. Don't stay still. Don't walk in another direction. Choose to walk together with God. Then the second message to, to finish with from Amos is one that perhaps is more commonly talked about with Amos, which is called the plum line. Not plum as in the stoned fruit, which I'm incidentally allergic to, but plum with a B. Um, and the thing about the, the plum line, I'll just pull up Amos 7, 7 to 8. This is a vision that Amos gets. Me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. Then the Lord says, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. So that doesn't really help, does it? Because if you don't know what a plumb line is, that verse is a bit meaningless. Uh, has anyone ever done any wallpapering? Has anyone used a plumb line wallpapering? Has anyone wallpapered and not used a plumb line? <laughs> Me. So a plumb line essentially is a piece of string with a weight at the bottom that's pulled down by gravity and it means that your line will be completely straight. And if you don't start wallpapering with a plumb line, you will end up off centre and squint. Um, for the people that didn't use a plumb line they wallpapered, what happened at the end of the wall? <laughs> for the tape that was very squint um, what you tend to find is you get one narrow bit and one really wide bit and your wallpaper doesn't fit it and you have to do a really a miraculous thing with cutting the wallpaper um, so the plumb line is um, keeps things straight it's constant so even if you use it halfway along the wall it's still straight it doesn't change because the way it works gravity pulls it straight it's standard and it's constant doesn't change and without it there is no sense of straight so even though you start off if you tried it without a plumb line you're absolutely convinced it's straight that first strip that you do without a plumb line I don't need it straight I can see it I can look I've matched it all up 
I know that that first strip of wallpaper is straight. But as you get to the third strip, you're like, hmm, it doesn't look that straight anymore. And by the time you get to the seventh or the eighth, you're thinking, eek, it's definitely not straight. And by the end of the wall, you've got this really awkward strip. For me, it was really narrow at the top and really wide at the bottom. And I had to try and fit the space. I must have cut about 10 strips of wallpaper trying to get the exact same fit. It was a nightmare. The rest of the wall was fine. I was like, yay, wallpapering so easy. It's not. <laughs> well, it probably would have been if I'd used the plumb line. Um, and we were under pressure because Julie's mum and dad were coming back from holiday in about 24 hours. And we had this wonderful wall. It looked brilliant, apart from this weird-looking strip at the end. And you're under pressure. You've got to get that. You don't want a patchwork, do you? You can't have little bits filling in gaps. It was a nightmare. So I will never wallpaper again without a plumb line because um, that was very stressful. But a plumb line is this thing that keeps things straight. And what Amos is talking about is that because Israel had gone there, the straight center right. And when you start to veer away from that or you don't use God as your center, it might not look that different to start with. Just a, it might be all right. And you get further and further away from the plumb line and the more and more squint it gets. And by the end, the whole thing is squint. And you're actually so far from where you were straight that you've probably not even realized. I didn't really notice as we went until about two-thirds of the way along the wall. And I thought, oh, this is definitely not going well. But you don't see it. That first and second strip, I was like, yes, come on, I can wallpaper. Didn't use a plumb line. If the start isn't correct, the whole thing will be off. And it becomes an ever-increasing error from straight. It's a bit off. Maybe I should have got the plumb line out there and tried to fix it, but I didn't. I just kept going. So we've got a little video. Um, again, it's an American video. It's about the plumb line in our lives. Meet Amos the prophet. He doesn't look like a prophet. No? What does a prophet look like? To be chosen to be the messenger to God's people. You'd look holier, like with a halo, a big beard, or a stick. He's got a stick. Yeah, but that looks like a shepherd's stick. Well, this prophet was a shepherd, and he was a fig farmer. He raised sheep and pigs? No, not pigs. Figs. Pigs don't grow on trees. That's a fig tree. Well, he sounds pretty ordinary. He was an ordinary guy with an extraordinary message. God chose Amos to give the king some really bad news. What was God's message? Amos told the king he saw a vision of God sending grasshoppers to eat up the crops. Oh no, that's bad. But God said it wouldn't happen. Then Amos told the king he saw a vision of God sending fire to dry up all the water. Now that's bad. But that wouldn't happen either. But then Amos told the king he saw a vision of a plumb line. A row of fruit? Not a plumb line. Plumb line. The bee is silent. I have no idea what that is. In the vision, God stood by a wall that was built with a plumb line. He used a plumb line to see if it was still straight. That's how the plumb line works. You hold it up to see if something's straight. The plumb line is straight because gravity pulls it down. Exactly. But if it was built with a plumb line, of course it was straight. But it wasn't straight anymore. Grasshoppers and fire sound way worse than a crooked wall, though. This was really bad. The wall represented God's people, 
God saw their hearts had become crooked. How does your heart get crooked? God gave laws to teach them to live His way, but they lived their own way. They quit caring for the poor, they cheated people in their businesses, they didn't worship Him properly, they even worshiped other things. Over time, their hearts went from straight to crooked, from like what God wanted to whatever they wanted. What's worse than grasshoppers and fire? What happens when a wall gets more and more crooked? Oh, I get it now. The whole wall was going to fall down. Exactly. God warned the king that because the people stopped living straight, the whole crooked kingdom would crumble. I don't want my heart crooked. Me neither. We can stay straight with God by lining up our life with how the Bible says to live. God's word can be our plumb line. Exactly. Plumb with a big B. That's perhaps a more visible example of a plumb line of what it really does. Uh, and there is a danger that if you've not got the plumb line, things end up more than just a bit squint. They actually are so dangerously squint that they're at risk of falling down. And definitely in my life, there's been times where I've stepped so far out of God's way, ever so gradually over a bit of time, that I actually begin to realize at the end, I'm really far away from where I should be. And actually things are crumbling. My life is crumbling the plan that God had for me is crumbled because I'm not walking with him. Uh, and God, God's rules, uh, God's word, uh, the things that God asks us to do should be our plumb line. Not things around us, not people around us. Doesn't matter how great your best friend is. Doesn't matter how great your husband or wife is, your parents. They are not your plumb line. Our plumb line is God. What you say, what you want us to do, you keep me central because if I do it, I will definitely mess it up. I've learned this definitely in my life. If I take control, it will be a mess. Actually, God, I want to keep on your plumb line. And just help me, God, where there's times where I've got it and I'm not using it. So I know it's good and I know I should, but I still step off in the wrong direction. I want to keep centered on you, God. And also in this world that we live in, we're in a constantly changing world where uh, things that used to be within society clearly in step with God's will are changing so the laws of our land are changing the society in which we live the things that used to be fixed and expected are changing but actually we as Christians need to take where our constant comes from God and from his word not from what's happening around us I don't know how many of you read the kind of medical journals or, you know, articles in the Daily Mail or Daily Express that talk about medicines. And if you read them, you will have no idea what you should be doing. Because one week, cholesterol's good for you. The next week, cholesterol's bad for you. Statins are good for you. Statins are bad for you. You should eat more fruit, no less fruit. You actually would have no idea what the constant is because it's just ever-changing. We're not meant to be like that as Christians. We're meant to keep God as our center point, him as our plumb line. So as I finish, I really feel that the message from Amos for us today is, number one, God uses ordinary people. Do not exclude yourself from being used by God in any shape or form. And also, church, don't exclude anyone. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what you look like. You are welcome here in God's kingdom and you belong. And don't dare any of us exclude someone from being part of it. But don't exclude yourself. Don't rule yourself out. 
You know, we talk about being brave and courageous in 2019. Maybe that's just caught you and you're sitting there thinking, well, that's obviously not me. I'm going to exclude myself from that stepping out. Don't exclude yourself. God won't ask you to jump off a cliff that you can't handle. Be what you're made to be. Amos was a prophet because that's what God called him to do. Hey, if God calls you to be a prophet and send his message, brilliant, do it. But if he calls you to be a smiler, to be a hugger, to be a prayer, to be a constant for someone in a time of trouble, if he calls you to come and serve at the toddlers or at the circle, be what he's called you to be. Stay close to God and be connected with him. And the reason for that is we want to be in step with him. We want to be together with him and in step so that the next time he steps, we see it, we can see it's coming, we know where we're going, we're active and we participate in stepping forward in what he's got for us. And take him as your constant, not stuff around you, not people around you. The constant in our lives is him and his word in our lives. That's our constant. Let's not become distracted by things going the other way. Let's not be distracted by what the world says or what your amazing job's doing for you, or what your brilliant family are. Actually, God is our plumb line. So at the start of 2019, I want to ask church that we agree together that we will be in step with him. Can I ask you all to stand? Yeah, Father God, we thank you today for that message from Amos. We thank you, God, that you have given us a message today about being in step with you. Father, as a church, as we look towards 2019, Lord, we want to be in step with you and your plans. We want to be in step with you in our lives. Help us to see where you're taking us. Help us to be in tune with you and connected with you. Lord, as a church, help us step into 2019 with all that you've got for us. Lord, as we stand together, united today, Father God, we want to do your will in this place. And Father, as we look towards 2019, we want you to be our constant plumb line. Don't let us be distracted by things around us or things in the world or things in our own head. Let us keep coming back to you as our constant and as the thing that keeps us center. In Jesus' name, amen.